Thankful for God's word tonight. Let's, I want to dig into it. Mark chapter 8 verse 1 says this, In those days the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from afar. And his disciples answered him, uh, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them and said, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took uh, the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave uh, to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes. And he blessed and commanded them also before them. And they did eat and were filled. And they took of the broken meat uh, that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray uh, that you'd help me to be able to preach. Lord, that uh, uh, you'd use me to, uh, uh, not, not to get the glory, but just to clearly proclaim the truth from your word and what you've laid on my heart tonight. Lord, open up our ears and our hearts. Lord, and not just for uh, knowledge for our head, but Lord, help us to apply it to our life. And Lord, we're so thankful that you are the giver of life. And Lord, if there's any that are lost, I pray uh, that maybe they listen to this later, that Lord, I pray that they'd come to know you. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. So one of the things, uh, if you're reading through the Bible, if you're looking through the Bible, you uh, maybe even just read through the New Testament, uh, you realize that Jesus uh, he doesn't, we don't often see things repeated uh, in the Bible. We don't often see, uh, you know, we see some of the miracles that are repeated. We see some things, uh, but not very often. It's very, uh, very few. And one of the things that uh, seem very similar is where Jesus first feeds the 5,000, uh, then he feeds the 4,000. So this is after, this is the second time uh, the 4,000. Uh, so I was kind of looking between uh, both of the stories, both of the uh, both times where he fed, Jesus fed a large group of people and trying to, uh, to look into it and see. Uh, and, and one of the things that I noticed uh, is is there was a few little differences there. One of the one of the differences, um, uh, the feeding of the five thousands in all four gospels. So uh, we're not going to read all of those, but I will give you little bits and pieces from them. Uh, but in the feeding of the five thousand, the first time. Uh, Jesus, uh, you know, he's got this, they've got this crowd of people that are hungry, you know, a similar problem. And he tells them in Mark six thirty eight to go and see how much food that they had. Uh, and that's where they found, uh, John calls him a lad or a boy uh, with five barley loaves and two small fishes. So that we get from John 6, 9. Uh, but uh, so you get some of these details together from as you put the gospels together. But in this time, in the feeding of the 4,000, 
Uh, uh, we, don't, we don't see him saying that, go and see. Uh, we see him, uh, uh, we see them immediately answering Jesus when he asks how much, uh, what do you have? What food do you have? And, and they answer him right here. They, they answer him. We, we see right here, uh, he's asking them in verse five, Jesus is, how many loaves have ye? And they said seven. So the first time they had to go and figure it out. Go, who's got something in this crowd that we can use to feed the crowd? Now this time in the feeding of the 4,000, they didn't have to go find a lad. They didn't have to go find somebody with food. They already had this in their hands. So we see right there one of the bigger differences in both of the stories. And then we see once the problem comes, in the feeding of the 5,000, the first time, John 6, 7, Philip answers Jesus, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That's not enough. Eight months wages is not enough to feed the crowd that was there. And this time in the passage we read in Mark 8, 4, uh, his disciples answered him, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? So they've got a problem in both of them. They don't have enough to feed everybody. You know, they don't. Uh, and the disciples, they're, uh, you know, it's a huge crowd. They're hungry in both times. Uh, and and they're, they're not sure what to do. They're, they're telling Jesus the problem, uh, bringing these things to him. But do you notice in both stories, Jesus responds to the problem the same way. You know how he responds to this problem of not having enough food to feed the huge crowd? He's basically asking them, what do you already have? What's already in your possession? What do you, you know, what food do you already have? And in one time they had to go find the boy with the, with the food. And then the other time they already had it, but he's asking, what do you already have in your possession? And one thing I know, I've seen it in my life a lot. I've seen it with other people's lives as a Christian. The devil wants us to focus on what we don't have. He wants us to focus on what we think we're missing. We don't have enough time. Maybe too much time's passed in our life or maybe we're just too busy we don't have enough talents we don't have the right thing that we think we need to be able to do what God wants us to do maybe we don't have the right spiritual gifts maybe we don't have enough money maybe we don't have enough education enough intelligence enough charisma we don't speak well enough like Moses said uh, but uh, all these excuses that's what the devil wants for us to come up with uh, you know an excuse or two that he'll uh, he'll spoon feed us to re to make us think that we are not good enough to do what God wants us to do. We're not good enough to do these things. And Jesus, every time, and in fact, you see this throughout the Bible, it's what do you already have? Remember with Moses? He didn't think he was good enough. Moses, uh, God's asking Moses, what do you have in your hand? A rod. And he used the rod uh, to get the people out of Egypt. The power turned it into a serpent, parted the Red Sea with it, did all those uh, mighty things with just a dead stick, freed the nation with it. Remember at the wedding, the Canaan of Galilee, uh, they didn't have enough, wa enough water or enough wine. So what do they do? What do you already have? Well, we've got plenty of water, but that's not what we need. So he turned that in. And you see that over and over again. Jesus is using what we have. Because if he didn't, then we would have an excuse today that we're missing something. But we're not. We're without excuse. Luke 9, 12. 
where they said, the disciples said in the first time, send the multitude away that they may go into the towns and country round about to lodge and to get victuals. So what are they saying? They're saying, send the crowd away to take care of themselves. We don't have what it takes. We don't have enough food. We don't have enough money. We can't feed this. Let them go take care of the hunger problem themselves. Let them take care of their own problems because we can't help them at all. But aren't you glad Jesus is different, right? In the feeding of the 5,000 the first time, Matthew 14, 14, I know Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and healed their sick. Mark 6, 34, also in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. What do we see? In both instances, he was moved with compassion. He saw their need. First time he saw that they were sick and he healed them. Uh, next time he saw they were sheep without a shepherd and he taught them. He led them. He showed them the way. He, so he not only had compassion, not only showed, saw that they had need, not only did he have love toward them, but he moved, right? He did something. It moved him. Uh, that compassion did. And now we get to our, uh, to our story in Mark. What do we see in the first two verses? Uh, and in those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto them and said, saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because uh, uh, they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. He had compassion both times. This is one of the similarities. This is one of the things that's, that you see in both these. He did, Jesus wasn't uh, he wasn't going to feed them to put on a magic show. He wasn't going to feed them to show some uh, a great sign or wonder. No, he saw some broken, uh, wandering sheep that were hungry, that were sick. He healed them. He taught them, and he fed them. And here's the thing. In the 5,000, what did he do? He used the disciples and that lad's food to feed the whole group. And now... What do you see now in this story? If you read it, uh, Jesus is feeding a smaller group now with a little more food than he had the first time. And here's the thing. If you look at it, you could start to ask yourself, now wait a second. If Jesus fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, right? Two small fish. And now he's feeding 4,000 with seven loaves and a few little fishes. That's what Matthew 15, 34 tells us about this time. You're thinking, wait a second. He's feeding a larger group or a smaller group with more food. The miracle's not that great. It's lesser. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a similar miracle. He, he's feeding the 5,000. He's using a little food to feed a ton of people. It's obviously a miracle. But then you should ask yourself, why is this in here? Right? Why is the feeding of the 4,000 in the Bible? Because if, if, if we look at it, uh, uh, why, why is it there? Why is it something that, uh, that we see here? Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that we would have this here. It doesn't make sense that, uh, uh, that, that these would both be in here together because one thing we know about the Bible is it's concise. We know that it, it doesn't have everything in it uh, that we would, you know, we would think of. It's not, it's not repetitive. It doesn't tell things over and over again unless there's a purpose. And we know that from, uh, uh, we know that from two spots and John makes it very clear to us. John uh, 20, 30 says this, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, 
which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye may, might have life through his name. And then in the next chapter of John, the very last verse says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So we see two different times that it is clear that not everything is written about Jesus, and it makes sense. There's big spans where we skip, where you, you know, months pass and we don't see anything about what Jesus did. So, so if we know that not everything Jesus did is in this Bible, then everything is important. Every detail is important. Every story is important. Every word's important. Why does it seem like this is a duplicate? Why does it seem like this is, you know, just extra? Why would we need to know he could feed less with more? And one of the things I noticed as I saw, now wait a second, the first time in Matthew was chapter 14, the second time is Matthew chapter 15, the first is Mark 6, the second time was Mark 8, do you notice how close they are together? They're a one or two chapters apart, very close to each other. And, and you're thinking, uh, this time they already had the bread and fish. We know that from verse 5. They already had uh, the food. They didn't have to go and find it. And so wait, you're, you're, you're wondering what happened. So he feeds the 5,000, and then they're out on the storm. Jesus walks on the water. He calms the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, John 6, 35, the next thing is where Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Uh, and then Jesus tells them, he says, I'm the bread of life. He's, it's that whole bread of life passage, you know. He tells them the manna from heaven that, that fed them in the wilderness. That bread was me. I was that bread. Verse 66 of John, that chapter says, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. Uh, and then what happened is you get down to uh, John and you get to verse, or chapter Chapter 6, verse 67, and, and uh, Jesus says unto the 12, will you also go away? Are you going to walk away too? Uh, Peter answered, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe that thou uh, art sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And do you see what's happening uh, right after that? So we, he's walking on the water. He says he's the bread of life. They're, they're saying that he is God. They're proclaiming that Jesus is God. Then Jesus heals the Syrophoenician woman's daughter we talked about that in sunday school and then he heals many sick near the gal uh, near the sea of galilee then he heals the deaf and dumb man and now here we are again right we're in a desert place we're in a kind of away from civilization place again we've got a large crowd uh, in, a, in a remote place they're hungry again jesus tells his disciples they've had nothing to eat and here's the question what are the disciples going to do what are they going to say how are they going to respond? And would you look, the reason I liked Mark's passage and chose it this time is Mark 8, 4. And his disciples answered him. Do you see how they answered the problem with Jesus? From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness. And I thought, if you just look at the beginning of that response, from whence or from where can a man satisfy these men? And that is a wonderful statement right there. Now, it was unbelief. 
They were telling on themselves. They're saying there's no way that a man could feed all of these people. Well, they're right. They're right. There's no way a man could have. But think about this. If you were Jesus, how would you have responded? This is the second time. We're only a chapter or two away. It hasn't been that much time has passed. Not only has he already fed a group in very similar circumstances, he's walked on the water. He's calmed the raging sea. He's healed. He's done all these things. And now we're getting back to the same thing again. And he's, he's got a similar problem. And they're still looking for a man to solve their problem. Still. Do you see that? And then he could have even said, didn't, or he could have pointed Peter out and say, Peter, didn't you just say that I was the son of God? You just said that. And it was a blessing. And it was true. Didn't you just hear that I was the bread of life? How long did he spend in John chapter 6 talking about how, uh, you know, saying that he is the bread. Uh, he'll, you, you eat of me, you'll never hunger again. You'll never thirst again. You believe on me. All these things over and over again in that chapter, you see it. And he could have reminded them of that. And he could have said, how did, did you not get it? But Jesus didn't answer that way. Even though there was faithless answer of the disciples, even though they were just using logic and reasoning and all of those things, Jesus not only had compassion on the multitude, he had compassion on his own disciples and patience with them. How are we going to solve the hunger problem? Well, we're not going to do it with men, right? We're not going to solve it with men. You're right. Whoever said that was right. Uh, it, it's not uh, what we can go out and buy, Remember, they tried that the first time. Philip got his calculator out and figured up how much it would be, 200 penny worth. He said, we're not going to buy it. We've already have it. What are we going to do? We're going to multiply it. And the, the thing that I love about both of these stories is Jesus multiplies it, but he uses the hands of the disciples. Right, he multiplies it through their hands and has, you know, has the people sit in groups, sit in companies in the green grass, and he's there it is, handing it to the disciples, they're handing it to the people. He's using the disciples in this miracle, and yet again we see in verse eight, look what it says. So they did eat and were filled. They were full. And they that took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. He shows his power again to feed, which should have never been a question. And the thing that I love is he takes yet again what little they had, multiplied it, feed, fed the entire crowd, and ended up with more than they started with. That's how God works. That's how faith works. He takes what little we have. He multiplies it through our hands. He uses us to do things uh, with his power and his uh, substance and everything of him and his riches and all of that. And then we end up with more than we started with. That's how faith works. That's how God works. They were full and they had seven baskets more than they started with. Seven loaves to seven baskets. Man can't do that. But I'll tell you what, an obedient child of God can be used by God. And I'll tell you where he really wants to use us to have compassion on this world, right? To have compassion on this world and lead them, lead them not to us, but lead them to the bread of life, Jesus Christ, 
because he's the one that can save. He can heal. He can lead them. Uh, he's the great shepherd. He can feed them. He can give them rest. He can supply our needs and he can pres uh, preserve us and keep us until he takes us home. And I see as we're looking in these two there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a couple differences. But I think the big thing is we see how patient Jesus is. Because in reality, they should have saw it the first time, learned it the first time, and then applied their faith immediately. The next time uh, this same problem came around, but then I look at myself and I'd have to hold myself to the same standard that if he's taught me something, if he showed me something, then every single time that same circumstance came, I'd have to respond in faith as well. And since I don't do that every time and they didn't do that every time, we can... Uh, uh, we can find hope uh, in the love and patience of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that they've got mess ups in the Bible because if not, I'd be in trouble because I'm a mess up. If we didn't have disciples uh, questioning and we didn't have disciples forgetting and everything else and going back to worldly logic and saying, well, what man can help us through this one? If we didn't see that, then it would be, we'd be in trouble because we are just like they are. But aren't you glad Jesus is just as patient and compassionate with us, slowly teaching us the Holy Spirit's patient, compassionate with us, slowly teaching us what we need to know. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for those days. Maybe I didn't have bread and fish in my hand and I wasn't passing out food, but there's been times where God has used us as a small piece, used this church as, as just a, uh, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, use us in a, in, a, in a small way to make a big outcome. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God, he did not give up on his disciples. He's not given up on the church. He's not given up on Israel. He's not given up on anything. And I'm thankful for that. He's a loving God. He's a compassionate God. But also we see uh, one of the things that's also a blessing is I don't see a third time where he's feeding another group. You know what that tells me? Maybe we'll get it one of these days, right? Maybe they got it after that. Do I know if Jesus ever fed a crowd again? I have no idea, but I'll tell you one thing. We don't see it again because maybe next time when they're saying, hey, there's a big crowd, we don't have enough food. I have compassion on them. And maybe it was Philip this time that said, you know what, Lord? We just got a couple of loaves and a few fish right here. That'll be enough. That'll be plenty. In fact, we'll, it'll be more than enough. And just think of what Jesus's response would have been to the third time, the fourth time, whatever time, when they said, you know what, Jesus, we know you can do it. We believe you. We trust you. That would have been a blessing to Jesus. You know, it's the same thing. It's a blessing to God. When the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, instead of going to doubt, instead of we going to reasoning, instead of going to figure out how we can fix it, we say, Jesus, you've done this before and you can do it again. That's the God that we serve. I'm gonna open up the altar tonight. I know it's a little